0: Welcome, welcome to the Accept Then Achieve podcast, where we help high achievers follow their hearts and achieve more through self-acceptance first. I'm your host, Dr. Tony, MD, cartoonist, and nomad. I was a model Asian child, an Ivy League doctor until age 30. But in 2018, I quit to pursue my true passions for art, teaching, and traveling the world, despite furious backlash, disappointment, and outcasting from my Asian immigrant family. Tiger parenting and other high-pressure cultures demand that we conform and achieve in order to finally feel worthy, good enough, and acceptable. But they have it backwards. Achieving through pushing and shaming ourselves wrecks our mental health and can only get us so far. We may end up feeling burned out or empty because those goals weren't truly meaningful to us, even though we did all the right things. There's a kinder, wiser, and more effective way to live and achieve this show will help you discover who you truly are apart from others' expectations and create an authentic and joyful life of natural excelling from your fullest expression. Who you are is more than okay and more than enough. You belong unconditionally and you can actually achieve more if you accept first. Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of Accept Then Achieve. We have our honored guest today, Rosie Young, here with us today. Rosie, could you introduce yourself?
1: Hi, Tony. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. This is exciting for me. Um, yeah, how should I introduce myself? So my name is Rosie Young. Um, in Chinese, my name is Young Xinga. And that's actually only recent that I've even started saying that in an English context because... I never really felt like sharing my Chinese name before, which I'm sure we can get into if we wanted to. Um, Let's see what's relevant about me. I'm an only child. I am officially an immigrant from Hong Kong to Canada. I came when I was a baby. Um, And so I have a Canadian accent and I grew up here and I am a I am I was a model minority, like followed all did all the right things, went into corporate for like 20 plus years in my career and a whole story around it, but over the last three, four years since COVID, I have branched out to being on my own after I got laid off from my last full-time job, and I'm now self-employed or, you know, running my own business. Um, but for me, it's not about a business. It's really my calling, my purpose, and my service, which is to be a trauma-informed, unexecutive coach, particularly for Asian and racialized women.
0: I love that. Oh, so inspiring what you're doing. Can you explain more what unexecutive executive coaching is?
1: Yes, I've, I mean, part of the unending business self-employment stuff is all the marketing that I never, I never wanted to do. In corporate, I was a CPA, a chartered professional accountant, as well as a certified human resources leader. So not business sales marketing at all. So that's something new for me. Um, but to explain what unexecutive is, uh, I just wrote on my website that I never wanted to be a coach. So there's a million things I've been doing for the last three, four years that I'm like never wanted to do, never thought I would do, never thought I'd be on a podcast or hosting a podcast, which I did. And part of why I am unexecutive as a coach is because I saw what corporate coaching looked like, particularly from my HR perspective. Hmm. In HR, we would assign coaches to people, typically because there was something missing or something wrong. Like It always felt like a a corrective measure. Mm -hmm. And the coaching always seemed to be for the purpose of making the person, the coachee, more corporate, more executive. And executive over the last 20 plus years has always looked like white men in suits or sometimes white women in suits. And it's not about the race in particular, this is, I always need to caveat this for a wide audience where I'm not against white people. I'm not um, saying that all white people are the same, not at all. What I do think is the systems of inequity, including corporate systems of inequity that have been perpetuated, um, end up making everyone look the same. It's, It's also about conformity. And so that conforms to a certain thing that was known to be executive presence, um, and that executive presence ended up looking like your typical three-piece suit, white, strong, assertive male, um, and and doing all those things. So when I came to coaching, it was not directly to coaching. It was through uh, my own, I guess, my own mental illness, first of all, and trying to heal from that, tying that in with trauma, life trauma and workplace trauma, being laid off was part of that workplace trauma, being bullied at work was part of that workplace trauma, and then, as I became certified as a trauma recovery coach, I realized that there was a lot of intersections and merging that I wanted to do between trauma recovery coaching and corporate coaching. Like, I still I know the space. My heart is for employees. It's about me being HR on their side, an advocate for employees, and giving them more power and knowledge. And it's to help them through coaching to be. Whatever it is that they want without having to conform, without having to match the executive presence, look, feel, sound, um, maybe not even wearing a suit, right? So whatever that looks like for them, it's—it's for me, it's the antithesis. It doesn't mean doing the opposite of what executive leadership looks like. There's a lot of good things about executive leadership, but Mm -hmm. it's more opening the door. So it's not all the same.
0: I love that. Yeah, because I've seen so many executive coaches, but you're the first and only unexecutive executive coach that I know of. And I think that's amazing. Yeah, because we don't have to conform to this one way of leadership. Um, I, I think that's so great what you're doing. So I guess that segues into our our podcast theme and everything. Like what does acceptance and achievement or accept then achieve mean to you and what inspired you to want to speak on this podcast?
1: Uh that whole accept, then achieve that really hits home, Tony. Like everything actually about your profile and I met you through LinkedIn. Um, that's having some commonality too, right? As Asian diaspora women, it's I never felt accepted my pretty much my whole life. And yes, that is very personal. Um, something I've learned through trauma coaching is to separate fact from feeling, but also that feelings are valid. Mm-hmm. And the impact on us is valid, right? So um, I guess what accept then achieve means to me is, at least in my family, and I think in many Chinese cultures or Asian cultures, acceptance is only through achievement, like you mm-hmm. achieve to gain acceptance. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to blanket statement that, but it's it was definitely true in my family and not not in a tiger mom kind of way that we, you know, whoever wrote that book or that article made it sound like, I believe my parents genuinely love me um, and they want to accept me or they think they accept me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I'm in my 40s now, so it took me this long <laughs> to come to that that point to even be able to say that, right? But for most of my life, I never felt that or it was hard to to receive it in the way that they demonstrated it. Right, like the atypical Chinese mother love of, here eat some more oranges. I peeled them for you. Right, (laughs) I made you soup. When are you coming to pick up the soup that I made for you? Um, it's I know a lot of love is shown through service, Mm -hmm. but what I also want to highlight because I couldn't reconcile these things for myself is that that as a that as a family norm or as sometimes culturally culturally norm. I've heard it kind of presented as an excuse almost like, well, that's just how Chinese moms are. Or you have to accept love that way because that is culturally how it's shown. And I'm not saying that it's, you know, Western culture one way or Eastern culture another way. It's just that's, I needed more than that. And by learning about how our brains work and trauma and how uh, commonality among all human beings, we need to know that we're accepted. We need to know in our hearts that we're accepted was mm-hmm. like, okay, it's not dependent on culture at all. If we don't feel as an individual human that we have unconditional love from our family members, our caregivers, and even at work, right? Just because it's at work doesn't mean socially we don't still need acceptance, we do. Mm-hmm. Um, if we don't have that, then uh, we end up compensating for it in ways that can be very ineffective. So my perfectionism, my overachievement, um, and the ways I also forced that on team members who reported to me, I always thought I was doing it for the greater good. Like, of course, we want to produce high quality work. I'm just doing what my bosses tell me to do. Mm-hmm. Well, we're just trying to satisfy the client, right? So there's all these good reasons, mm-hmm. but it was really ultimately um, me trying to win acceptance and through that win love, even in a work context. And mm-hmm. um, So yeah, so just seeing that, I I believe now that What I need and what I think many people need uh, is liberation, liberation from achievement and liberation more so from what achievement means to them, like why they're trying to achieve.
0: Absolutely. So well said. Yes, that's my exact mission too. It's just how much heartache, how much, oh my gosh, that it would have saved us uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) if, if we had just had that. Um, it's, It's a basic human need, this unconditional love, unconditional positive regard, at least somebody seeing you as the treasure that you are. And a lot of people get that from their families early on or throughout their entire lives that really creates that secure base and allows them to be that for themselves too. But for those of us who haven't, we are taught to be equal just as hard or even harder on ourselves and not accepting yeah. of ourselves not a, and always chasing something And then when even when we accomplish amazing things these achievements and we still feel empty still feel like it's not enough and it's never yes. enough and we chase and chase until we die and so i'm really yes. just trying to break that pattern here because so many people it's causing so much suffering out there so much trauma just it's self-inflicted too later on. It's just, and Mm -hmm. we pass it on too, as you mentioned, you pass it on to the people you worked with Mm -hmm. too. I know I have as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm Mm -hmm. just so honored and you have so much wisdom and experiences to share with us today. So um, I don't even know where to start, but could you just tell us more on how how that journey was to your own self-acceptance or do you feel like you're still working on that now and maybe how your relationship with your family has evolved over Mm -hmm. time as well?
1: Yes. I'm trying to think where to start with that too. Well, so first of all, I just want to say, I really uh, feel grateful and honored that you said such encouraging things to me coming from a doctor because um, I'm, like I said, I'm a former accountant and HR executive. So a lot of what my my understanding around why I need acceptance so badly or why human beings need it so badly comes from my newly gained knowledge about uh, neuro, neurobiology and psychology and things I wish, like, oh, if I'd known science was like this in school, I would have taken more courses. I right? was uh-huh. like, uh, tired of dissecting rats. Like maybe can I do accounting instead? Big mistake. <laughs> um, I guess, you know, so here's something I've been thinking about a lot because it, uh, in my work, in my coaching work, I focus on non-obvious trauma mm-hmm. or covert trauma. Um, I think non-obvious is a little bit less triggering than the word covert. And why I say non-obvious and the relevance of it, I guess, is that I didn't know myself. Like I, I have been diagnosed with depression and anxiety, tra- uh, that. so mental illnesses or you know, things that are not mentally healthy. Mm-hmm. And I see trauma as the new mental health in that even in medical community, it is relatively new, the understanding about the breadth and the depth of trauma, types mm-hmm. of trauma, how it shows up. Uh, what it is, what the impacts are, and one of the doctors and and researchers on this that I highly respect and recommend that people read from is a uh, Dr. Gabor Mate. He is a um, Hungarian Canadian doctor who is a survivor, a direct survivor of the Holocaust. He was a baby then, and his research on trauma shows that trauma isn't what happens to you; it's what happens inside you. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. And the second big thing is that trauma isn't just bad things happening. It's the good things that should have happened, but didn't. Absolutely. And those two things were so profound for me in reevaluating like my whole life and understanding that um, like even the theme of this podcast, right? If we don't have acceptance, acceptance is a fundamental human need. Like we are socially wired to need acceptance, to want to be accepted if we don't have that for whatever reason from our early caregivers from our social networks then that can be tra- that can be traumatic for us it, whether it is or not is individual right it depends on a whole bunch of factors including environmental um but that can be a very traumatizing thing like to never to imagine a baby or a child feeling Um, not physically abused necessarily, but never emotionally cared for, never held, never feeling safe, like never knowing if that parent or caregiver is going to be nice to them or or show love to them that day or not. Mm -hmm. That leads to uh, conditions like complex PTSD, which is again, something that's a newer understanding of it, right? So The impacts of these, again, I call them non-obvious because there's no physical marks. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not something that we're trained to look for, like school teachers are trained to look for physical abuse. Or in the workplace, we're just starting to understand impacts of domestic violence, et cetera. And yet things like that can affect, I'll I'll use me as an example. Um, Perfectionism is one thing, but even um, let's say procrastination. It seems innocuous. It's it's been treated or dealt with in a corporate context through like time management courses or productivity courses. And I've I feel like I've done them all and read all the books. Yeah. But it doesn't get to the fundamental why underneath why am I putting things off? Why can't I seem to manage all the things on my to-do list? Why am I not able to do the things I scheduled in my calendar at the time that I've scheduled them? what's really behind that some of it is just overload sure it doesn't always have to be about trauma Um, but I know that my the theme through my whole life underneath it is what if I fail what if I look stupid Uh, what if I don't know what I'm doing and I don't have anyone to ask which has been like my whole entrepreneurship journey Uh, what are people going to think of me um, how will I ever get clients? How will I ever make friends at work? Um, how will I ever get the performance rating? And if I don't get those things, what will my parents think of me? I don't even know that these are the thoughts that are happening or the feelings that are happening. Um, but that's that is what it is, right? So I can't remember what your original question was, Tony. <laughs> um, but I think that's yeah, like just going on that. Oh, and then the shame. Sorry. So that I think that's what I was trying to get to, to answer. Original question, which I still can't remember, um, and it's just it's just that feeling of oh, what does it ultimately mean? The, the fear of failure, the fear of not having friends at work, it's just this deep social outcast sense, the, the shame of oh, I'm stupid, oh, I'll never be any good at this. Imposter mm-hmm. syndrome. It's what's behind that really is is the shame. It's like well, they list twenty things on a job description, I only meet nineteen of them, therefore I could never do that job. Um, mm-hmm. It's not, it is systemic inequity, yes. And it is whatever we individually bring that leads us to think one missing thing out of 20 is too much. Yeah.
0: It's that fear, too. It's the shame of being not good enough, but ultimately not being likable or lovable or just not belonging anywhere and being left mm-hmm. all alone. And that means death yes. to our primitive, our subconscious system because. We as tribal creatures, yes, we did die when we were different, when we had no one by our side or on our side. And so at least for me, I'm just speaking personally, yeah, that was my biggest fear too for a very long time. And even now, just that sense of safety to really put ourselves out there, to follow through on this great idea that we have. I've been procrastinating on writing my book forever, though I had the idea for years now, but it's you know, it's just yeah, working through and getting to that really deep rooted cause, which is so, it, it traces back. It's from all of our lived experience. Oh, don't worry about the original question. The original question was just like, just share about your journey. So it's very open-ended
1: and we can. Okay, good. Here. This <laughs> because I would be goes. ashamed. I it see it's like, oh, I'm so embarrassed, right? Like, it's it's so interesting how quickly it comes up. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It comes up yeah. everywhere.
0: Oh, you're doing great though. Thank you. Just, <laughs> everything you said, I Thank feel you. like everyone can relate for sure on that. So uh, what was most helpful for you then in really breaking through to that? It's like awareness is good, but awareness itself is not enough, I think. So what has really helped in the next steps after that? Mm
1: -hmm. You're totally right. Um, gosh, I am because I'm a pretty uh, cerebral person, as in I, I learn best through, lectures, reading, teaching, uh, seeing things happen, the the awareness was a big thing for me because through that, I could already make a lot of connections. I think one of my skill sets that's hard to translate onto a resume is being uh, able to connect a lot of dots. Mm -hmm. So just from uh, reading and learning about trauma, which is how I even got to wanting to become a trauma recovery coach, I could already recognize things in my life experience where it's like, Oh, oh, that explains it. Oh, you mean I, it's I'm not that screwed up? Like where it's, it's not that I'm abnormal. It's not that there's something freakishly wrong with me or in the, something you said earlier that I wanted to go back to the, um, the why am I, why did I put off writing a book? Right? Why did I not do this thing for so long? With that comes a lot of social and capitalist um, labels like, Well, it's because you're lazy. Oh, you're not disciplined enough. Oh, you're not working hard enough, (laughs) right? Like all these things that you're like, that's right. That's what. That's my problem. And learning about it, getting the awareness, is like, oh, that might be part of the problem. Not saying it isn't, but uh, I'm just talking about me, not you. (laughs) Um, But so part of my problem might be like, yeah, inherently, I would rather watch TV than do some work but I'm not a lazy person. And I know this because of how hard I've been working my whole freaking life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's other stuff. So it's all, it's a release from shame. Actually, it's, it's learning compassion in whatever way that we can get compassion. Um, and compassion is a huge thing because compassion is actually the most powerful counter to shame. Mm-hmm. That's part of the principles about trauma recovery. Because um, shame and fear are two of the Default, like it automatically comes from with anyone who has experienced trauma. Um, we're afraid to talk about it, we're afraid to admit it, and we're deeply ashamed because we think there's something wrong with us because mm-hmm. of the trauma we experienced. Like we deserved it, whatever that trauma was, including not being socially accepted, including not being loved. Like we deserved it, right? It must be there's something unlovable about me. That's why I wasn't loved by whoever. And so unwinding that narrative through whether it's just reading about it, like understanding, listening to your podcast, right? Like I was like, oh, that's what acceptance, like that's why acceptance is important. But then finding ways in our lives to to apply that or to see how it's missing, it may be a helpful exercise for anyone who's listening right now to kind of think back on, you know, what were times in your life where you felt really accepted? Like just, or think of once, and maybe it was at a birthday party, right? And you're like with your close friends, and everybody was having a great time, and you felt really comfortable with each other, like you'd be best friends forever. Um, or maybe it was on a family trip, um, and everyone was just like, oh, experiencing this new place together, and and building a beautiful memory. Could be could be getting married, right? It could be being with a partner. So thinking about that and recognizing the feelings that you had. The sensations physically, like what did that do for you? How did you, what does it feel? What does it mean to you to have that kind of acceptance? And then contrast that with a time in your life when you didn't have that acceptance. Um, Sadly, I think I can think of a lot more of those times than times when I felt accepted. Um, For me, it's being a, a Chinese Canadian woman as a kid growing up 40 years ago wasn't a lot of people like me. And so I definitely experienced some racism as a kid that I didn't even know the name was wrong. Like I knew it was wrong, but I didn't know that there was anything anyone could do about it. Right? Mm-hmm. It was just like, well, as a Chinese kid, this is what you have to do. You have to go through. That's just how life is. Um. So even like recognizing something as seemingly small as that, like today in 2023, we can be like, oh, that was terrible. You shouldn't have gone through that. But that's the... That's the insidiousness of non-obvious trauma mm-hmm. um, as well as like the shame that comes with it. I didn't even know I was ashamed of being Chinese, but I was. I didn't want to speak the language. I didn't want to uh, like the food or, or bring the food to school. I was ashamed of my parents, you know, funny accents when they spoke English. Little things like that that's like, oh, I didn't realize what that stuff was tied to. Um, so by unlearning those narratives, we can start finding the true acceptance. They, uh, okay, this is my identity. Like who I am is actually a very joyful person. To Take a non-race related example. Mm -hmm. Maybe you were really exuberant as a kid, but your parents or your family always told you to like, you know, quiet down, especially if you're a girl, right? Like sit nicely, behave yourself. Don't be so rambunctious. Mm -hmm. Um, Nice girls don't, nice girls do. Um, and yet naturally who you are, it's its not that you're not a nice girl. It's just that you're full of energy and lots of creativity and joy. And, and Tony, you're a cartoonist, right? Like maybe that was, been like, how are you going to make money at that? But mm-hmm. this is an expression of who you are and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. So kind of just loving the things about you that are innate, innate to who you are, but may not have been so generally accepted um, at a point in your life or by others around you is a starting point to kind of get to that oh no this is this is okay about me and I even like this part of me yeah that would be a goal
0: yeah I love that thank you for sharing um I think part of it too is just the i I feel I've been in my journey too and I feel like I learn so much I read I'm cerebral too and mm-hmm. then it actually was such a different experience that I can't put into words to just meet the first friend who's just like just unconditional love to feel that. I can't even explain that. And I think it it can be so hard to uh, just even explain how healing that is. And so I just hope that people can find someone in their life, even if it's just a therapist, like if you have to hire a <laughs> so, yes. therapist or coach or whoever, just to, someone who can actually be that person for you, just for a moment, so you can just truly feel what it feels like to be accepted. Cause I feel like in the moments that like, At least in my memories, if I'm thinking about a really good time or maybe a time with my family, it would still be like, oh, in that moment, they weren't focused on my achievements or my milestones or where things were. It it felt like a temporary acceptance for that memory, but it's not just a a general globalized, like whole acceptance feeling. So I guess I just I'll just throw in there that, yeah, that that feeling is definitely so So healing, but it's like how do you yes. specifically seek that out, or are you finding a support group, or just finding other people who get it, who have also yeah. been through those. I think when you said non-obvious trauma, it made me think of yeah, the word invisible, invisible scars that we have, or like death by a thousand paper cuts. You really can't, you can barely see them; they are invisible. Yes. But when you have so so many of them, or the the little t traumas, yes. they yes. impact you so much than just like one giant slice, you know, like one giant yes. completed event that you can go yes. back and you can process, you can learn to heal from. But if you just grew up all of your childhood, most of your adulthood for so many years, yes. just every day being cut down a little bit more, that is yes. oh, it's so awful. Yes. It's-
1: yes. Uh, and I'm really glad that you named some kind of um, community Right, whether it's uh, one person, a therapist, a coach, uh, or because frankly, none of us are taught this, right? So I'm not surprised that my parents and my friends didn't learn how to unconditionally accept themselves, let alone unconditionally accept me. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of unconditional love and acceptance, my cat get up here. I (laughs) um, I got a cat partly because I always wanted a cat and um, I never got one. My parents didn't want to have cats, so that's a whole other thing too, but like what happens, what do our parents bring with them that prevents the children from experiencing certain things? I'm not blaming my parents, I'm just stating that this is, this is an interesting thing I see now through trauma-informed eyes, right? So I'm thankful I have this cat, which is, who's also teaching me that it's okay to ask for what you want. Like my cat has been, I don't know if it's recorded on the podcast, but has been meowing nonstop since we've I'm- been on here, <laughs> Tony, because I'm not giving him any attention. And he's not afraid to be like, meow, I want your attention right now. I don't care what you're doing or I'm hungry and I want, and I want to play. And there's a whole, I, there's a book on mental health lessons I'm learning from my cat that I need to share at some point. Cause I, I look at him and I'm like, yeah, what if I was unashamed and unafraid to be like, Tony, I really need a listening ear right now. You know, I really, um, can you just listen to me and not don't judge me for, I just need an unjudgmental ear because I want to tell you this thing that happened, right? Or I need a, I need a big hug, whatever it is that gets us to feel loved and cared for is self-care is great, but it can't all be self-care. We do need care from other people. Mm -hmm. And if it's not, I mean, for me, I sadly went through um, not having that from immediate family, not having that from immediate friends, Um, again, not blaming anyone, just stating facts and understanding that. We all have our own capacity limits. We all are, are limited in our own ways, right? Um, so I needed that from somewhere else. I found that through, uh, through therapy to a certain extent, yes, and also through even my my classmates in my trauma coaching program mm-hmm. because it was such a – like we all knew we were hurting. We didn't know any specifics. We just all knew we came to the table with pain and with past trauma. And the judgment-free, completely empathetic listening – space that that created was nothing i'd ever experienced before and was probably the most healing. Like i was there to learn and get certified, but i was also through that healing receiving healing myself because mm-hmm. it was this thing of yeah, we we get it. And i think that that is also part of acceptance. We don't have to agree with each other to still understand each other, right? And be like, "Hey, i get that." Mm-hmm. You know, I, I may not have the same opinion, I get where you're coming from. I see why you would think that way. And I don't, I don't think any less of you for Mm -hmm. that. That's really missing in our world.
0: Yeah. I think that's such as what you just said, the important part that it doesn't, that we're still loved that nothing that we share could ruin the relationship or, or just ruin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The the connection or how we are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You just see someone being able to look at us and hold us and, and just like, hold us in that Mm -hmm. positive light that that high regard like that it's all okay that we humans are just messy and imperfect Mm -hmm. and we all have our dark parts and that doesn't mean something's wrong with us it just means that we're a typical human (laughs) I think Mm -hmm. it's yeah Mm -hmm. only the gods or like other Mm -hmm. (laughs) are perfect um yeah or or maybe I don't know I feel like narcissists or maybe sociopaths just feel like they're great all the time and that they have no flaws but then clearly they they still do have some flaws or dark parts and i also wanted to say animals they're the best at giving unconditional love too so if you can't find a human to give you that you're just like yeah i get a cat I get a dog that can be so healing or just play with one at a shelter for a little bit and just notice how you feel afterwards
1: Yes, excellent medical advice. Um yeah. and true. It's working for me too. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad. Um,
0: so I guess in terms of um what are the biggest challenges still? Like I think I'm just um with your journey, like just where are you at mm-hmm. now? Where were you before? And just yeah, mm-hmm. what what's next for you? Or or maybe mm-hmm. looking back, what were your biggest turning points for things mm-hmm. that's about for you? I'll start with the
1: turning point. It was it was getting laid out from my last job, which sounds obvious, but it's um, I think it's a turning point now that I I look back of, I never want to go back to a full-time corporate job again mm-hmm. if I can help it. I, I mean, and it's not like all of my corporate experiences were bad. I've been very fortunate to have some great managers and bosses over the years. I've worked for some great organizations. Um, I've had really great learning and growth experiences. So it's not that, it's that... The, the boundaries of it of, for example, me on my own, if I have a day where I'm just made blunt, I'm on my period and I'm really tired, it's not something that qualifies for a doctor's note to take like a day off, but I just need a few hours to lie on the couch and not do anything except moan and groan up at how miserable I feel. I can do that now, right? As an entrepreneur and not have to make excuses or feel embarrassed and ashamed to say anything. I don't have to suck it up. And I think, I think that's actually what it is is except for like 20 plus years or really my whole life. There's so many things I've had to suck up Mm -hmm. and just take it. And it's like, well, this is how it is, right? You got to mask, you got to repress, you got to carry on. And I'm done with that. Like something not just about the layoff, but something has changed where, oh, it feels liberating to not have to hide or um, withhold parts of me anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And still within reason, like I'm not saying I should just be like out there and be like, well, love me or leave me, right? Like if you don't like it, Tony, you then whatever, I don't care. It's definitely not that. Um, but it is a sense of I'm not life's too short and my emotions are too precious. I value myself now too much to keep putting myself in positions where people are not willing to at least try to understand me or give me a chance, right? Like to, to, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but, um, finding a different agreement, like, can we, in whatever relationship we have, uh, at least commit to each other that we are going to try to understand and accept each other it takes effort right? mm-hmm. and it's not just about romantic relationships friendships take work too so yeah so that between that and then the friendships i intentionally cultivate or don't and the work i intentionally do or don't that that's what's really changed for me um and so going forward that is the biggest challenge is um how do i make money at that um for me making money is just about it it is literally I need the money to live, but my life is not about the money the, my life is about coaching and bringing the same liberation and healing that I think I've gotten to other women in particular who want that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, yeah, how I need to live in the meantime, or I need to live while I'm doing that. So can I make that work? I really hope so. It is, it is unexecutive. It is counter-capitalist. And that doesn't exist right now. That's not how the system is. So it's a real, in a way, a social experiment for me to see if I can make that work.
0: I love that. Oh, you're doing so amazing. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Wow. Um, something that you said earlier that I, oh, I had a question about, but now i I forgot. Oh, oh gosh, see, this is on
1: yeah, un- It's fine. Unfiltered, this
0: is authentic, totally yes. authentic. Yes. <laughs> Oh, well, that's, that's embarrassing. Um, Um, I'll I'll just move on to the next question, though, is, um, yeah, so was there anything in particular that helped you, like, detach from achievements, specifically, or that helped you accept yourself more, or most?
1: You know what, I think that... uh... I'm going to go back to Dr. Mate for a second, Gabor Mate. He wrote a book called When the Body Says No. Mm -hmm. And that was, that might be my favorite book of his that he's written, That and the Myth of Normal. Because when the body says no, just even the title alone, I quote that a lot when I'm like, my body is saying no right now. (laughs) Like when we talk about burnout or stress leave or just like I'm really exhausted, that isn't just physical emotions, um, mental distress, e- even like mental happiness, like those things all affect our bodies as well. So I would say that when you're trapped in a cycle and a lot of our coping strategies are end up being cycles, right? Like my achieving or overachieving, uh, was something where I could only feel good about myself. If I achieved it's mm-hmm. its own drug. Like I think there's chemicals. And- yes. Yeah. Dopamine, right? I think. <laughs> Yeah. Dopamine or endorphins or something, Um, something that like, oh, yes, that that gives me that hit that I need, Mm -hmm. but it's so short lasting. And then I got to get back on the hamster wheel. So when my body finally is breaking down, does break down and it does, or it is, and it repeats because I still, still try hard because I am desperate. um, trying to make a a go at the business. Then it's, it's learning to finally accept physical limitations as well as you know, all the kinds of limitations, mental, emotional limitations, and and be, I don't know if it's like you can see I'm still struggling. I'm trying to be okay with it because the fear is always there. The mm-hmm. fear of not making money, the fear of what will people think of me. But there's also this like feels like such a relief to just listen to my body and be like, mm-hmm. I slept until whatever, eleven this morning and I just physically, there was no way I could get up any earlier. And that means this many hours of work was not done. And I'm behind on this, or I'm just gonna uh, miss a meeting or whatever. And I'm not happy about any of those things. But there is actually something really, again, liberating about uh, my body is telling me something, and there's only so long I cannot listen to it Mm -hmm. before something worse will happen. right? So So I think it is to certain extent, um, we all need some kind of external force to show us that what we thought we could do because that the the lure, the temptation to be strong and resilient mm-hmm. is really high and it's very well rewarded right like if you can't if you can't produce at least be strong and resilient right mm-hmm. you tried so hard your effort was there um but so what like and who are you efforting for or what are you efforting for mm-hmm. that's that was the other thing i realized is like is anyone even going to I could try my damnedest and it still wouldn't be good enough for some people. So that wasn't actually, now I think about it. I, there are relationships I've lost, including over the last few years, as I've changed and morphed into whoever I have, I think I always was, um, that made me see like, oh, you know what? There's not a thing I could do that would please them anyway. Like the, Or the cost to me would be so high to try to maintain or retain certain relationships. Mm-hmm. And um, it's that, like, oh, there's actually no pleasing them. It, it's it's kind of like giving up, but in a positive way where yeah. like, when you realize this thing that you the ball that you've been chasing, you will never reach it. Oh, well, then I'm just going to stop trying and I'm going to do something else that is achievable, right? Mm-hmm. Like a good kind of achieve mm-hmm. instead of the impossible achieve.
0: Yeah. Or you just realize like this is not fair for someone to, yeah, to, like have hold that ball and possibly high there or or have that yeah those expectations of a friendship or anything like that yeah. think yeah that's that's not like I don't know balanced or reciprocal or, or equal yes. if it's always yes. like that um, yes. I want to go back now I remember what I wanted to say or just that you were saying that oh, the whole system right Our mm-hmm. in North America just the workaholic culture and the hierarchy and you're just expected to be a machine and produce produce produce, and yeah it's it's really just when you become self-employed or you do something different than the norm you're really just taking up the space you're like as your cat just like hey this is my voice i haven't heard him by the way i don't think (laughs) his his word carries (laughs) on to here but it's it's just like yeah we're, we're we're really we're we're confident now in ourselves or we know that we have a say we're not just here to be crushed or bend over backwards for this system and mm-hmm. yeah I just think that's really good. and then allowing I wish our system allowed rest you know imagine if they normalized the three-day work week like like what what would happen mm-hmm. right because I think truly when people are allowed to rest and play and engage in their creativity and have this holistic balance in their life then they actually do they are more productive they do better mm-hmm. work it, it truly is it's just mind boggling how the system just hasn't caught up yet. They're just like, no, you need to work your 40 hours or your 50 hours or your 80 hours. And then mm-hmm. yeah, just have mm-hmm. no compassion for just our natural yeah. who we are and like our cycles. It's not just women who have energy cycles. I heard men have them too. And it's right. just, yeah, it's we can't be the same churning along at the same yes. speed or that yes. that optimal productivity all the time. Yes.
1: And that system is literally man-made. As well, right? Like is. This is yeah. centuries old. It's no, we all think that we we think because we've been living in it so long and designed it for ourselves. Like, but this is how it has to be. Mm-mm. But actually, it isn't. It, we, if we made this, we can unmake it and we can make something different. But so far, we haven't made something different. So honestly, Tony, I think what what you're doing in you're working with this podcast is trying to build something different—a different way of thinking, a different way of being—and that's what I'm trying to do too. But we're swimming upstream. And so it's also, um, I think the, I'm thankful with acceptance or on the journey of acceptance helps us to do this counter-cultural work because mm-hmm. we are not going to be accepted, right? We are going against culture yes. and the majority culture will still be like, why are you doing that? That makes no sense. Um, it's, it's not right. Even some people might say. Mm-hmm. And so it takes a lot of self-acceptance and self-belief to be like, you know, I respect that you have a different opinion but that doesn't mean I'm wrong or I'm crazy for going on my path and I'm going to do it anyway, because it's important to me and I believe in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the learning that other people didn't believe in the same things I did or didn't accept the things that I needed them to accept about me. It was awful. Like it's painful. It's still painful, but in its own way, it's like, yeah, I don't think if that hadn't happened to me, I couldn't go on the path that I am now. Like learning that, oh, some people in life won't accept me, and it hurts. But I, I'll survive that. And actually, I will find other people who do really accept me. The more that I am displaying what my true beliefs and values and who I am is, then people will fall away, and new people will come into my circle. Mm-hmm. So it's it's also then um, giving yourself permission to let go of. The things that don't fit into your life anymore and to welcome in the things that do
0: absolutely and that's the only way we can um get true belonging too because imagine if you just had to hide yourself or put on a mask or try to twist yourself to fit in into your existing group or something just to belong and you just don't feel good about that you're just always not like watching your back but just always kind of on edge and you just are, are, are so worried about every little thing whereas it should just be yourself and yeah, as you said display it just fully express who you are like there's people there's someone for everyone there's tons of people for everyone i truly believe that and same as you said that some people will just never be happy with whatever you do but yeah like, you can't please everyone i think when i realized that it just definitely was liberating it's like oh okay i can't please anyone anyway so what's the point of <laughs> Still trying to monitor and change like it's important to please yourself, of course. And then it's like, yeah, you will please naturally please some people out there, and then you find your tribe, and then you're good. (laughs) Yes. You don't need to cater to the entire world. And it's impossible to. It's a it's a losing impossible mission if you try to do
1: that. There's what is it eight billion people now the world's population is up to? Yeah. So even just statistically, I would think at least four billion of them don't like you. Don't like me. And that means four billion of them probably do like just just statistically or even if only a thousand people really liked me out of eight billion. Yeah. How many you know, those are the that's more relationships than I can maintain anyway. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's I think it's another part of the fallacy that uh, socially we're brought up with to like, oh, you must make everyone like you. Like mm-hmm. That that is the norm, or that is how you. And if you don't, if if there's more people who dislike you, or more than one person who dislikes you, you've done something wrong.
0: Right. It's actually, totally untrue.
1: Especially for women, yeah. Especially yeah. For women yeah. right? Who are supposed to be nice and caring, and who doesn't like a soft, caring person? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. There's there's being becoming an entrepreneur opened up a lot of um, other. People's, individual people's opinions that I wasn't exposed to in a corporate setting where everything kind of gets amalgamated. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, there's a heck of a lot more people who disagree with me than I ever thought. And that's actually the norm, not the mm-hmm. other way around.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's okay. Um, yeah. Especially with this, right. I, I, I read this book recently on uh, imposter syndrome in women and yeah then they were just saying that yes it's like it's women can't win because if you're likable you're less respected or seen as less capable mm. a lot of the the time so mm. it's just like ah oh, like the, that's that sucks that we're, we're giving men permission to, to do whatever and you know mm-hmm. be whoever be very aggressive in in um, mm-hmm. The career pursuit, and then when women do that, it's like, oh no, it makes her less likable. Oh, oh, I think mm-hmm. they were saying for men, it makes them more likable because it's like, oh, right. look how gung ho they are. Right. That. So it's like, oh, so difficult for women, especially. It's like, oh, well, if it's a catch twenty two anyway, then you may as well do something yes. that I mean, or maybe try to like value being respected over being liked. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm navigating that too as a recovering people pleaser. It's like, right. Yeah, um, yes. I'm just downplaying myself. I mean, even when I forget I'm a doctor sometimes. So when you said, like, oh, right, like a doctor say the human by brain thing, I was like, oh, oh, no, no, no. It's like we're it's not a hierarchy, it's nothing. It's like I don't know better. I'm not an expert. It's just it's just like my default reaction mm-hmm. with that. And so uh, that was just really fascinating to realize <laughs> in myself when, when you said That's- that.
1: Thank you for pointing – you know, that also points out how I and many people stereotype, right? It's like, oh, you're a doctor. You must know about this. How, the number of times people are like, oh, you're an accountant. You must love numbers. I'm like, I hate numbers, actually, and I suck at math. Yeah. Um, it's – yeah. So it's like, yes, another excellent um, demonstration of unconscious bias, perhaps, or the way we shouldn't pigeonhole anybody, no mm-hmm. matter what. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And when going back to when you said, like, oh, we don't have the energy for that many friends. I mean, that is – so true too. It's like we can have a wider network. It is good to know of people and support each other, but it's like, yeah, how much capacity does you only have so much time in a day and energy in a day? And if yes. you just even have some people only need one, like just one good friend person at, to who really sees you and supports you and loves you and unconditionally accepts you. And I think for many people it is the romantic partner, but doesn't necessarily need to be. You can have a best friend, you can have a sibling, mm-hmm. you can have a parent well, as as long as you're both still alive but it's like mm-hmm. you know just just having that one person can make all the difference between feeling alone and isolated and just so unsure of yourself to being like wow I belong somewhere I belong yeah. someone cares about me I, yeah I, or just even you, you you have yourself always too you care about yourself and I know that's harder to really grasp but it's yeah do yeah. so i yes just again wanted to say i guess the one of my missions too is just saying like yeah it's like it's everything's okay it truly like why did we make these rules of right or wrong i mean it was only after the industrial revolution that we were like okay making this 40-hour work week and yeah. i don't know when home ownership became such a big thing but it's just like right. oh no you have to own a home otherwise you're an irresponsible person or you're not a real adult and just all these things <laughs> like why did we put all these dumb rules and boxes into how we live life so for me it's just truly like yeah let's live and let live like it's all
1: good peace and harmony (laughs) 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 yes well and it's we're kind we're sort of saying it lightheartedly but it's totally true like i see that that's the real imposter of imposter syndrome right this this false idol, this thing that's been put out there, like the Wizard of Oz, right? That's like, oh, if we're only like this, right? If only we had our own home, if only mm-hmm. we made a certain amount of money, uh, and if only we dressed this way or behaved this way or had these characteristics, that's the gold standard. And anything mm-hmm. less than that, or if I somehow get put into that position and I'm not all those things, well, mm-hmm. then I, I got here as an imposter, Mm -hmm. And when you pull back the curtain and you see like the little Wizard of Oz man, for anyone who knows that story, right? Who pretends to be this great mask or these powerful things, but underneath it all is just, that's the real pretender. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh, all those things that I, that this little imposter made me believe was true, that I had to do these things, or that that's what real success looked like. That's Mm -hmm. what real power looks like. That's what real happiness looks like. I I get to decide that for myself no one gets to say this is what it is. Mm -hmm. And mine must look like that. It's only you can say what makes you truly satisfied and fulfilled and happy in your life. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. And nobody, yeah, nobody can say that because nobody is you. No one can feel what you feel and experience Mm -hmm. your daily life, Mm -hmm. uh, the choices that you make and all that. Yeah. (laughs) And it's true. I think everyone, no matter how great their life looks, it's, some of it is the illusion because you're not seeing yeah. the whole story. Everyone struggles. Just as I said, everyone has flaws and dark parts. Everyone yeah. has negative emotions too from time yeah. to time. Even the most successful quote unquote, people just still experience self-doubt sometimes, self-confidence, bad days, anger, mm-hmm. sadness, all the frustration, all of all, all the things. things no matter how yeah. much you have so it's because it's so okay if it's not so much dependent on the external stuff then if it really is here in our, our attitudes and how we feel about ourselves and yeah we can accept ourselves today we can just start mm-hmm. living a happier more peaceful life uh, in mm-hmm. some way today mm-hmm. recognizing that so yeah i just mm-hmm. hope whoever's listening to the is mm-hmm. like this could just help you yeah just think about things in a different way and and then also just yeah, yeah we all have such amazing things about us to celebrate all the time it's like I feel like yeah. I mean, in an ideal world right that we're all like yeah shouting from the rooftop like yeah I, I'm an awesome <laughs> person here's all the things because <laughs> we all have a personality yes. like and we're yes. so unique and no one has like our exact set of everything our traits our interests our passions yes. our skills um uh, yes. yeah just a quirky stuff yeah it's like so great we're all just this Yes. Snowflake or <laughs> however, yes. yeah no we don't need to keep adding more and more things it's like let's focus on the 99% that we already have mm-hmm. that no one can take us take away from us and it's yeah. just yeah we can add extra things it's like as we yes. go there's a nice bonus or cherry but like yeah our, our worth I don't want it to attach yeah. to those yes. things because we got it all already <laughs> we got the 99.9% yeah. already
1: and I think like that, that is an excellent um, explanation of one of like my key takeaways that I try to give my clients or as kind of part of my, my mantra, which is to do less and to be more because so many people come ask, like, come to a, a career coach or a you know, leadership coach like, tell me what to do in order to get this, be that, you know, achieve whatever. And it's like, what if you already have everything that you need? to Mm -hmm. be whatever you want to be and it's not about adding more because and also who has time right like the clients I talk to they're like yes um I one of the reasons they may not get a coach is because they can't fit it into their schedule and I totally get that Mm -hmm. but what if we didn't have to add things to our schedules in order to whatever like fill in the blank for them Mm -hmm. and it's really like well you're you're a cartoonist Tony well what if it was really um going more embracing that right being more present or spending more time with your art and that was actually what made you fuller as a person and who know like the impacts of that aren't just that you are a great artist when you yourself are feeling fulfilled and like you're living your best life or achieving what you really matters to you mm-hmm. it affects your relationships it affects other parts of your life where you need to achieve all that sort of stuff right it's mm-hmm. no one gets to tell you what's good about you or how good you are you don't Mm -hmm. so I have to do more just to be more you can do less and be more
0: absolutely yes um yeah be be more do less um yeah I I hate that it's as you said it's the capitalist society that's saying oh you know to be a successful cartoonist I need to produce work that makes a certain amount of money that I can live on it's like no (laughs) it's yeah like I, I think um I think it's you know, i can't just keep all the ideas in my head although i guess i could i could just enjoy it just for me you know, like, you know, talk to other creatives and artists they're just like yeah i don't do it for anyone else i just do it for me and then it's just your own self-expression and it goes out there and and it could benefit someone like you don't know but that's mm-hmm. not why you create it i i guess we just i think once we get to a place of celebrating ourselves accepting ourselves and um yeah just really feeling at peace with our gifts then we just naturally do what like we express it without so much drama and like knowing that it's safe to to do whatever that we don't have to force ourselves to spend some time working towards this thing or this goal in in that certain way it's just like this is play imagine if life was just about felt like play all the time you just like love the things that you were doing and those those gifts like do benefit the world too and contribute That's and true. then you do get Some enough compensation for it to so you can live and meet your basic needs, right? Like, I think that would be ideal. And yeah, sadly, I'm sad that capitalism has infiltrated (laughs) at least a a lot of places. But I mean, someplace I, I will, I wanted to share since we were on this topic, just that I was in Thailand for the past year and a half. And there was a community I found that was totally just not completely removed from the capitalist system but it had just a great system where it was just like hey here's a place it's an orphanage for people of all ages there were children there there were adults there some people have lived there for years or some guy from russia who was was there for a few years and you you have your gifts and you share them with the community and you all help out to maintain things and you just don't have to worry about making enough money to meet your basic needs they provided that it was a meditation temple you just had to go to the class for an hour each day and practice it in your your own life you can come and go too you didn't have to live there but if you needed a place to live permanently they gave you a private room there and i just and that's what i'm trying to work on if there's a way to build this for people all over the world or at least one in each continent so that you can come you can cultivate your craft you can figure out what truly is important to you without needing to worry about feeding yourself it's just a place where you can really tap into yourself and then when you're ready you can go back out there or not we keep expanding we can figure out a way because they get i don't know how they do it but they do manage getting food somewhere i think it's monks and people donating to the monks but just in some way if we can figure that out i think like yeah who needs to live in a capitalist society we could live in this back in the days when we just helped each other out not necessarily a barter system but just yeah where we focused a lot more on the relationships and the connections and self-expression yeah. or creativity or i don't know maybe this is too yes. idealistic but I, I saw a system that actually worked so i think that's so cool it's it's replicatable i think
1: yes so my takeaway is that i need to move to thailand uh and find maybe you're I'm all big. welcome to
0: <laughs> or once i set I them up uh, but mm-hmm. some people and my community and exceptions community and i are trying to set some up at least in japan that's and cool. thailand so
1: and then maybe that's more very cool. yeah that's very cool yeah no like, i love that What something i'm taking from that is just the redefining community or rebuilding building a community in the 21st century that we haven't had so far in the 21st century mm-hmm. yeah i like that vision yeah
0: in some ways or just challenging the system trying to live differently and Yeah, Mm -hmm. you made such a great point, too, that it's it requires extra levels of self-acceptance to Mm -hmm. to keep going with this. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. it's all a journey, right? I know we went over time, but this was just such a great conversation, Rosie. So thank you again. I always end with just asking, like, what were Mm -hmm. biggest pieces of advice advice you'd say to your younger self or to the audience? Um, Mm -hmm. Anything else you'd like to share and how people can. Mm Connect with you and work with you, mm. and get in touch
1: with you. Mm. Yeah. I don't, you know, I your point about the journey. I don't regret anything that happened to me in my like over my lifetime, even though some of those things were very painful. Because I my personal belief system is just that everything happened for a reason and everything that happened to me led to the place I am today. Like I wouldn't have be having this conversation with you, Tony, if everything in my life hadn't happened exactly the way it was. Um, That being said, what I wish, what I do wish I had received earlier was uh, more self-acceptance and also acceptance from other people. Um, I absolutely recognize that not only is self-acceptance hard, but how do we learn self-acceptance if we've never gotten acceptance from other people? Like Mm -hmm. who teaches us about acceptance, right? Mm -hmm. So um, maybe something that I'd love for your listeners, to receive or to, to seek out if they don't have that already is p- individual people or communities or groups where they can feel acceptance. Maybe it's even a group agreement of, hey, we're here to do nothing but just listen empathetically to each other and accept each other for who we are because we don't have that in other places. Like maybe there's some very intentional group. Um, and if nothing else, because it it's also a very isolating time for people in North America, particularly just the way our nuclear families and our social structures are. Mm-hmm. Um, I've genuinely had to practice giving compassion to myself when I can't seem to get it from anybody else. Um, and so it's also to to try and access that in different ways. I actually have a free resource if people want to, to get it. It's, it's just an, a three-day email series, but it's trying to go beyond the, oh, practice self-compassion, practice self-care. I get how hard it is to actually do that. Um, and so through my trauma-informed uh, learning, I've given some tips on um, if you can't just be nice to yourself, like if you can't just be like, oh, Rosie, you're fantastic. You're an amazing person. And then believe that. Um, there are things that we can do to access different parts, different neural pathways in our brain or start rebuilding those neural pathways, especially if we've never learned to talk to ourselves that way or haven't received messages like that. Uh, we can do breathing exercises. We can do physical touch exercises. Um, and those are all primers uh, to get to a place where we can actually say things to ourselves like, I don't deserve to be treated that way. Or uh, I deserve love. You know, I, I shouldn't be ashamed all the time. And start to believe them and bring them into our lives. So uh, I'm happy to, it's it's on my website, uh, which is changinglenses.ca. Um, and they can find that under the resources tab of my changinglenses.ca website awesome sign me
0: up oh my gosh I because just the straight up mirror exercise telling yourself these affirmations I'm just like some days I'm like yeah right. I can't believe this so it sounds Great. like you're teaching an unconventional way to to get there or maybe a, a more roundabout non that's not so confronting to, to get you as you said prime you like build you up to yeah. being able that works yes I'll I'll include the links in the show notes thank okay. you for sharing cool. Is, are there were there other resources or um, People you recommend, other than Dr. Mate, um, that yes, you think were the most helpful for you, especially in your extensive study of trauma and everything that um, you have. Any top three yeah. or just a couple? Uh-huh. Rex,
1: I actually, uh, Dr. Mate probably is is my top three. Um, Dr. Bessel Vanderkolk. Uh, I first I have to note that these are both white presenting men. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a fact of how research and science has worked so far is like, that's typically who has been writing this, but I do, I vetted them as in, um, I've read them through my lens as an Asian Canadian woman. Um, and I particularly look for resources that are socially justice minded, and or see beyond um, just the author's own lens of being whatever their identity is. So on my website, I also have a list of trauma resources that I started curating, which includes Dr. Mate's books. Um Bessel van der Kolk's book is called The Body Keeps a Score, which is similar in theme um, to that. When the Body Says No, but it gets a little bit more technical on how trauma impacts us and, and things that it uh, relates to around relationships and the way we behave and stuff like that. It's it's, it's, I think it's quite readable and also very interesting and, and knowledgeable. So yeah, I encourage um, you who are listening right now, feel free. If you're interested in more trauma resources, please check out my resource list on my website.
0: Perfect. Oh, thank you so much. Now I'm curious. Oh my gosh. Cause I hadn't thought about vetting these people in through beyond their own lens. What about Pete Walker who wrote complex PTSD? What are your thoughts on him? <laughs>
1: So I read his book as part of my uh, coach training program. It, I didn't relate to it as much. Um, and it wasn't necessarily because of his identity as a white presenting man. Um, it, I, Yeah, I think he his focus still was on more of the physical abuse of, in childhood. He acknowledges fully that you know the emotional abuse can be actually even worse in terms mm-hmm. of how it impacts a child. So I get that, but it was still more of a, more like a therapeutic lens that he was writing from mm. uh, versus, for example, Natalie Gutierrez, I think is the author's name, um, who, oh shoot, now I the name of the book escapes me, but she's writing sp- more specifically about racialized body trauma um, mm-hmm. and through the lens of people of color. Uh, and I like that as well as uh, Resmaa Menachem. He does that more from an American lens. So like uh, like Black Americans or American slavery and the intergeneral impacts of slavery. So very, very important, very, uh, very relevant. Uh, So that's why I've tried to look for some variety of things as well. Um, Colonialism and the impacts on indigenous folks and how uh, how that impacts them, but also how therapy has been colonized and how we need to decolonize. Therapy yes. and there's a whole that's a whole other podcast episode we yes. can go oh, I'd into. I'd love to have
0: you back and let's talk about that in another episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm.
1: thank you yes. so much. Oh, again. the pain we carry. Sorry, the pain we carry by Natalie Gutierrez. Mm. Yeah, that's
0: the book. Oh yeah, that's on my list. Okay, that'll be next. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much again for sharing your wisdom and your experiences. Is there any other final words you want to say before we close out the episode?
1: Oh, I think just that um, for for you the people listening just kind of speaking directly to you almost and like you matter i see you i hear you you matter your pain matters your pain is valid and you deserve healing so yeah just you deserve it thank you so much
0: all right here concludes You're so the episode we'll see you next time hey thanks so much for tuning into today's episode If you enjoyed this show, please leave a review, share with someone you love, or subscribe so that you never miss an episode. If you'd like to connect more about any of these topics, feel free to schedule a chat with me at drtoonie.com, D-R-T-O-O-N-I.com, or join my exceptions self-acceptance community. Links are all in the show notes. See you next week.